Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. I'm not taking any of your money. Just put it in the Cuba fund. That was such a fun trip. We, um, first of all, good morning. My name's Chris. Uh, my family and I have been serving in Zambia for a little more than seven of the last nine years. And one of our favorite parts of every year is when we, or whenever we're able to come back to the States, we stop in at Encounter Church and uh, get to just be with you all. We love this church. We love the energy and the generosity, the kindness. So many great friends at this church. And today we've got some really old friends there that are visiting from another part of Georgia. Hi, Guerrero family. I can't believe it. I think I was 14 last time I saw you guys. So that's really special. Um, anytime I need just a good dose of joy, uh, I hang out with Hunter and Liz. And the neighbors think we started drinking or something. But we, it's just coffee, I promise. It's just coffee. And feed coffee and a little Fiji. Um, so I've been wanting to come to Cuba uh, since I heard what has been happening there through you guys and the Surge Project and getting to go down this week. Like when I lived in LA some years ago, I took lessons from this Cuban percussion master named Michito Sanchez. And every week I was at Cuban jazz performances and I, my favorite food at that time was Cuban food, and so I didn't know what to expect. I assumed there would be music and delicious food, and there certainly was, but man, there is like this low rumble, and Cuba doesn't know it's happening, <laughs> but the Spirit of God is just moving and th through your partnerships down there and the kids' outreaches. There just feels like it's, it feels like real tip of the spear stuff, like there's something special really near, and, uh, and I think it could really change that, that nation, which, um, which has just had it rough. And so as you have time and think about it, just pray for Cuba because uh, you guys are part of something really special. I loved it. You know, I, I, I'm a missionary, and we host teams a lot, and there's certain people who come on these teams, and you're just like, oh, man, they're just like... They're the touristy of the touristy, and they kind of, you already stand out like a sore thumb, and then they're acting like a tourist, and it gets weird. I, I don't want to be that guy. I kind of want to be the gray man. And uh, in Cuba, I was just like a magnet for chaos. And I've, I kept apologizing to our host, like, I'm sorry. It's, I'm not trying to do this. But, like, a guy put a guitar on me and started singing a song to me, and I don't play guitar. And so I started playing back to him, and he, he would sing something, and I'd echo it. And then they asked us to give him money because of that experience. <laughs> and, like, another guy came and took my hat and put his beret on me and, like, tried to take a giant cigar out of his mouth and put it right in my mouth. I'm like, I don't, what's your name? <laughs> I don't even know your name. <laughs> so a lot of weird things were happening. But, man, what an incredible trip. Uh, I'm bringing greetings from Heidi, my wife, and our four boys. They're back in New Mexico. Uh, they couldn't come on this one, but we hope to come back before the end of the year all together. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. I don't want to spill on your, your lap.
laptop there. But we, uh, we're really, we love this church. So um, I'm going to share just shortly uh, something that God has been really trying to get a hold of me about. And hopefully it'll minister to someone in this room. Uh, but before that, I'm going to give you a quick update on what's been happening in Zambia and with our family. Just because you are connected to it, your generosity has also reached Zambia. And so just as I go through this, I want to, to let you know, I promise, like, one of the first missionaries I remember meeting uh, told me, hey, <clears throat> you want to come over and see a slideshow of my, my ministry? And I said, absolutely, I would love that. And he said, come over at 3.30 in the afternoon uh, for dinner. And I thought, that's weird. Well, he wanted to get dinner out of the way early so that we could have hours and hours for his slideshow. And I promise that I'm not going to do that to you. It's just a few pictures and a few short stories and then just, just uh, a, a little short encouragement, I hope. So if we got those pictures, I just want to show you what's happening. So we have, uh, we have a ministry that's always been a bit of an upside-down ministry. We, we have a little, had a little church uh, with 200 kids and 20 adults. It's always upside-down. And so our leaders, we have 14 young men that are called Young Lions that we've been discipling and kind of just doing life with. Most of them uh, have come from really rough backgrounds, many from the street, uh, many without families at all. And so uh, we've just been doing life together. And now the Young Lions are our leaders. And so uh, these guys here are the oldest of the Young Lions, um, Jack, Joseph, Meshach, and that's Nehemiah. And they, uh, they are now, even when I'm not there, they're leading the ministry. So we're very proud of them. But, and this is, this is church happening in their house. So I told them, well, we're having a special service. Why don't you decorate? So they blew up balloons and just threw them on the floor. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's one way to do it. And what's weird about this year compared to other years is we, like Heidi is the only girl in any of our gatherings except for the kids stuff because for some reason, we've only had four sons of our own, and when we went there, um, God gave us 14 more sons, and so it's just all boys. Well, now some of the young lions are getting old enough to have girlfriends. So uh, there's a few ladies in the mix now, which is nice. We can go to the next one. Um, <clears throat> this is just another, another angle of the same gathering that's in their house there. Go ahead. Uh, this, this has been an interesting year for our young lions because... Three of our guys, that's our oldest son, Owen, and in the middle is Maxwell, and that's Mapalo. These guys are, uh, are graduating. Owen just graduated high school and has started at university, and these two guys are graduating as well. So our guys are growing up, and I didn't feel old enough for that. But uh, we just, we're here earlier in the year because we've been setting Owen up at, uh, at NMSU. So you can go to the next one. One of the most special days of our year was this baptism day. That's uh, one of our oldest young lions named Martin, and this is our youngest young lion. That's Noah, and he was mad at me because he was he was like, "Couldn't you couldn't you email Grammy and Papa and tell them to to like ship us one of those shirts that says I have decided?" I said, "No, here's a marker. Make your own." <laughs> Shipping's not real reliable when you're that far away, so he made his own. But Martin, it was special to uh, baptize Noah in the same lake um, where all our, our boys were baptized years ago. And Martin was one of our young lions that had just completely walked away. He, he left our young lion's home. 
he started getting into a lot of trouble. Uh, he, he just, he walked away. And for almost a year, we prayed for him, and he just never came around. And then uh, early this year, he started coming back around and, and went all in. And he just kept telling me, I, I'm a different Martin. He kept saying, I'm a different Martin. So if you have felt like, man, you walked away, God couldn't, couldn't take you back, well, you could be a different Martin today, and, uh, and that's possible. So we got to baptize Martin and Noah on the same day, and they're really close buddies, too. They do a lot of fun stuff together, so that was special. We can move on. Uh, this is uh, one of my sons, Eli, our second son. He just finished his driver's ed course in Cruces, and this guy represents many of our kids. This is Jack-Jack. The name's so nice, you say it twice. Uh, he's a neighbor... And he, he, he's, he's one of the many kids we minister to, but this guy is troublesome. Like, he is into trouble. Uh, one time, we couldn't find Jack-Jack. We have, we have teams of people. Like, one team will do a game out here, and one team will do a craft over here, and one team will be doing the skit and the lesson, and then one team has to watch Jack-Jack, just Jack-Jack. <laughs> and they drop the ball. And Jack-Jack was missing, so I, I leave the field where we do church, and I walk over to where our car is parked, and I start hearing, Psst. and I look, and he's got a stick, and he's letting all the air out of my tires. I'm like, Jack-Jack. <clears throat> one time, I set my keys and phone down and stuff, and one time my keys went missing, and I heard a big fuss over at the fence, and Jack-Jack had my keys, and he was reaching them out the fence trying to trade them for a corn on the cob. <laughs> that guy's wild. We'll go to the next one. Next picture. There's, there's one more. This is Jack-Jack. And just before this picture was taken, there wasn't two fingers. I don't know where he learns this stuff. There was only one international symbol. And I said, Jack-Jack, Jack-Jack, this is church. I'm the pastor. You can't flip off the pastor. And he just smiled, and that second finger came up. <laughs> Peace. Peace. So, if you think discipleship is overnight, it's not. It's a process. We're in process with these guys, and, uh, you know, with some, you've got to start earlier than with others. Just a few more. One more. This is the Young Lions leading some outreach uh, in a field right near where they, they live. Go ahead. Um, this is Joseph. Uh, three of our guys got driver's licenses this year, and I'm still a little scared to let them drive the Land Cruiser, uh, but they're, they're, um, they've been handed the keys to a car, but it's been significant because uh, our family is in transition. Part of Another reason why we're here a little early is we're transitioning back to the U.S. Um, we're not going to be living in Zambia full-time. We're not closing Orchard Ministries. Uh, we, we think there's more for Orchard Ministries. We know that for the rest of our lives we'll be connected to these young lions and, uh, and, and the work that's happening there. But we always knew that we wanted this ministry to be in the hands of nationals. And, uh, and these guys are young, and some people would say they're not ready, but I wasn't ready when I started taking leadership, and I'm still not ready. <laughs> like Liz said, you still don't really feel like it, and it's hard to really prepare, but, um, but we're kind of handing them the keys to, to this ministry, and it's going to take on a look that looks like them and 
that they can sustain and they can manage and their flavor. It's, and it's very exciting. So uh, it's not an ending. It's just a, a different chapter for them and for us. And so I love that picture because it's like, here's the keys. And what's going to happen, you know? So you can pray for our young lions and pray, pray for our family. We're trying to figure out what's next for us too. Um, and so everything's on the table. We'll see. We'll see. I think there's one more. Yeah, they planned an outreach. They're doing this outreach uh, once a week on, or once a month on their own, just kind of doing a balloon walk to bless the kids. And go ahead, next one. This is all the young lions. And here's Heidi, my, my chisan conde wandi, uh, my banana sweet. That's what they call her there. So that's all our guys. We did, um, we did an event called Run Around the Sun where uh, in our discipleship we ran around the S-U-N. We learned about just the, all the different aspects of Jesus. But we also did a run that was 100 kilometers uh, over a few, few weeks, and they did all these other physical challenges, and they got their medals. Last picture. And this is our buddy Fred. He's one of our lions. And I put this up there. There was a good one of Martin earlier. This is Fred, and then I'll get into my talk, and we'll get you moving on for lunch or whatever. But, but Fred wins everything. Fred, like, if we have a race, a foot race, Fred's the fastest. If they get in a fight, Fred beats everybody up. If it's a school thing, Fred gets the best grade. It doesn't matter what he does. Fred wins. He doesn't even try. It doesn't look like he's trying. He's just that kid. And we just, as I'm thinking about what we're talking about today, I just feel like we, we're supposed to be victorious like Fred. And I, I feel like God's just saying, you, I see you as Fred's. You, you win. You're a winner. And you're a victor. And I wanted you to be encouraged because where Fred comes from, a lot of people wouldn't have picked a winner like that. And how Fred's family background looks and how his history looks, he shouldn't be smiling. But Fred's smiling and winning at everything, at life. And uh, it doesn't matter how you start it. Jesus, Jesus really can make a change. And so, so keep that picture in your mind as we're talking today, especially if you've kind of bought in, taken the bait of some low beliefs about yourself or felt disqualified in any way or felt fear. Any of those things that, that are stopping you, just remember Fred because uh, if Fred can do, th do this, then, then we can. And, uh, and there's, there's something for us. Thank you, guys. Sorry to go through all those. Sure appreciate it. Uh, I called this, this short message, I've got the power. You guys remember that one? Remember that one? Um, and I thought, RJ, that there was going to be smoke and lights and that was going to play when I walked up here. But it didn't happen. <clears throat> I'm... I'm not used to smoke and lights. Mostly when I share, I sit under uh, an avocado tree certain times a year. Uh, other times you can't sit under there. Um, or uh, there's a mango tree at one of the locations where we just gather. There's an avocado tree where we gather. And then there's a rickety porch where we gather. And that's, that's where I do all my talking. So it's okay that we don't have smoke and lights. <laughs> um, as we prayed through this transition that was coming for our family and for the ministry, uh, and as we thought about what we ha 
had given and taught these, these young lions in Zambia over the years, we wanted to just give kind of a charge, not a, not a final charge, because we feel like we're parents to some degree to these guys. And when you're parents, you're never done like encouraging. You're never done teaching. You're never done helping. But we wanted to give a charge that was kind of like that idea of handing over the keys, just something that would provoke some kind of self um, conversation, some, some deeper thought. And as we went on that retreat recently, we felt like there were three words that God was kind of putting on our minds and our hearts. And they were rise, run, and roar. And, we, uh, and, and so I'm going to just share a little bit of that today. And then uh, you'll just kind of chew on it for a little bit and see if God's, you know, stirring anything in you. But we wanted, uh, we wanted them to just think about their life as something that could be powerful. So think about themselves as a person who's got the power. Because a lot of times with, with, rough, with rough pasts and bad histories and, a, and a, a rough family name or whatever it is, you can walk around through life feeling powerless. And I would imagine it's not just kids in Zambia. There's people here feeling pretty powerless today. We met people in Cuba that, though there's just kind of color and music and beauty all around, you just, there was just this lifeless veil, kind of just, I'm powerless. And we can see that we don't, the source of our power can't be um, just like a positive attitude because bad things are happening. The source of our power can't be in a government. The source of our power can't be in anything but Christ in us. And, and he has this deep desire beyond what I believe we understand sometimes to just partner with us. And that is where the power comes from. And so as we talked to these guys about rising, running, and roaring, uh, I was led back to the Old Testament. One of my favorite groups of people in the Bible was called the Mighty Men. David's Mighty Men. Have you guys studied these guys? So if you haven't, if you like, like war stories and you're not afraid of a little gore, Second uh, Samuel 23 is some wild stuff. There's some crazy guys there. But I love what they stood for. And that they banded around David as he was in the wilderness before he took his throne and then continued on with him uh, in leadership of, of the nation. Um, and so we won't, we won't go through all these verses. We will do one at the end. But in 2 Samuel 23, um, the, first, the first topic of rise, I thought of these three guys named, they're called the big three, Shama, Josheb, and Eliezer. And <clears throat> they are facing this, uh, there's a battlefield and behind enemy lines is the well of Jerusalem. And David is over here with his army. <clears throat> and he's not even telling people this. He's just kind of, I think it just happens out. He's just kind of talking to himself. But his big three hear him say, man, I, I remember the water from that well. I sure would love a drink from the well of Jerusalem. And then probably just like David retires for the night. And these three stand up. And decide, we're going to go behind enemy lines and get the king a drink of water. That's a little crazy when you think it's just a cup of water. And you got to press through and break through the enemy lines. But they decided they were going to take a risk. And they go and get the water and bring it back to David. And he's like, he's floored. 
and he feels so bad he can't even drink it. And I don't know how I would have felt about this. He poured it out. But that's not the point of the story. Whatever you, he poured it out because he's just like, you guys put your necks on the line. What kind of guy would I be if I was just willing to just, just enjoy that water that you almost died for? Let's go finish that army and we'll all drink from the well. So, so as we think about what it looks like to rise, I think it means just take a risk with your life. Just stand for something different. Just do something that you haven't done and break through maybe something that has been holding you. In this, in this particular story, the enemy was literally an, an army facing them. But we all, in our stories, have enemies that we need to just kind of break through. We have stuff we got to push past. And, and to rise past that stuff makes you a powerful person. But it takes a choice. And choice is power, right? So if you can choose to start the process of pushing past maybe some of your past or pushing past some unforgiveness. That's one of the big ones as we talk to our young lions. How do you rise um, and, and become someone different? And, and forgiveness. Unforgiveness was one of the real kind of hold back issues that kept coming up. And, and sometimes we need to rise through offering forgiveness, even maybe when it's not deserved because we want to be free. And so, so we've just been encouraging these guys to to rise above even what's expected for their lives. Like I said, where they come from, it is a rough, rough place. Zambia in general uh, has lots of challenges like any nation, but their community particularly, you walk outside their door and all the scary ills that exist in our world are like right there in their face every day, all the time, 24-7. And it's going to take a breakthrough it's going to take a choice. It's going to take a powerful person to not let that just kind of swallow them up and not just kind of just drift into the sameness of how the world is. It's going to take a powerful choice to break through what's there and be something different, live for something different, choose something different. And I think the same thing for our lives. I, I need to do that today. I need to do it. Every day I need to make a choice to just break through because we all, you guys know, in our thoughts there's stuff that tries to hold us back in our beliefs. Sometimes our relationships just get kind of bound up in this muck and you feel like you can't get free and it's not working. But God wants you to break through and rise above what's expected and what's normal and how it's been. And so today we're going we're gonna to be people who rise. Everyone look at your neighbor and say, rise. All right. Next is run. Uh, and you know, I don't know if you know this, but one of the main things we've done with these young lions, we've been a running team, and I didn't go over there planning to be a cross-country running coach. I do a lot of running. I run some marathons and stuff, and uh, one day, I was out running on, on it's called the Kitwe Highway, and uh, I saw one of the boys who had been a little boy when we first first, first moved to Zambia, and I hadn't seen him since, and I had heard he had been in jail. Um, and I saw him walking towards me, and I was running, and I bumped into him, and I said, James, is that you? And he said, ah, oh, Chris, you're running. I said, yeah, I'm running. You want to run with me? And he said, well, I don't have shoes today. So I said, well, meet me here tomorrow. And he met me there tomorrow, and that's how we started our running team. So we do like bush runs together. We run at the soccer stadium when we can sneak in there. 
we run all over the place. And it's become one of the things that has bound us as kind of a team and a family is these, these long runs. And at the beginning, you know, these guys are all young and generally fit. Life there is a physical life. You walk everywhere. You just have to lift and chop and, you know, work. And so they're just fit, thin guys. But when we first started, we were going long distances, and I had trained myself for some long distances. I'm not fast, but my lungs could handle a bunch of miles. And I was feeling like, man, I'm in my 40s. <laughs> and all these young guys, I'm beating them. Three months in, since then, I've never passed one of them. They just, it was over. They just decided the old guy's not going to pass me anymore. <laughs> nothing, nothing to be proud about here. So, so running is an important one. And in 2 Samuel 20, there's another hero named Benaiah. And Benaiah's crazy because... Second uh, Samuel tells us that Benaiah went into a pit with a lion on a snowy day and killed it. I don't know what the lion did to him. I don't know what, what took him towards that idea, but I like the idea of a guy who's willing to get in a pit with a lion on a snowy day and kill it. Um, but Benaiah, I just feel like... <clears throat> Benaiah wasn't just walking through his life. He's like, if I got one life to live, I'm going to run with this thing. I'm going to tell a story with this life. And maybe I'm going to die in that snowy pit, but maybe I'm going to drag that dead sucker out of there. And I'm going to tell a good story with this life. And we were telling the lions, like, you guys, you, you have a really powerful gift that God has given you. Your life, run with it. Run with this stuff that you've learned from us, but run with the things you've heard from God. Through this journey with them, we've, we've just together, we've just heard things about, from God about their life. They've sensed different beliefs and encouragements just kind of sink into their hearts and spirits. And sometimes they believe it and sometimes they don't. And I'm trying to tell them, believe it. Grab hold of it. That's like a milestone. Don't ever let go. Run with that thing. And that's what Benaiah reminds us. Tell a better story with your life. And one of the ways you can do that, just, just a practical way, is just show up like you're doing today. You're going to tell a better story because you're in community. You're going to tell a better story because you're part of something that's happening locally and globally. You're going to tell a better story because you're part of a, a generosity movement. Show up. And that's a simple thing. It sounds simple. But it's not always a simple thing because we got a battle going on in here, right? It doesn't matter if I show up. That lion's probably going to kill me. Well, Benaiah didn't seem to care. He just tried it out. And we're telling our lions all the time, show up. Don't stop showing up. God's going to help you get the breakthrough you want. And God's going to help, with, with your help, write an amazing story with your life. Um, I, I didn't remember. I didn't listen a whole bunch in school. And uh, I couldn't remember who said it. Uh, if it was Bill Gates or someone, but it was that law of motion. Something in motion stays in motion. Something at rest stays at rest. It turns out it wasn't Bill Gates. It was, it was Sir Isaac Newton in the 1600s. <laughs> in the 1600s. <clears throat> but it's so true. When you show up, when you start trying, when you start stepping out, you start to build this momentum. It's like building a muscle. And, and something that gains momentum starts to continue to gain momentum and things that are we were just talking about it in the baseball playoffs like the Braves were way the better team 
the other team just kind of hit this wave of momentum at the right time. And there, there was just no stopping it. But that can happen in our lives. It just takes a choice. And you're powerful because you can make that choice to show up. You're powerful because you can say, I'm not going to sit back and let my life just happen. I'm going to tell a story with this life. I'm going to engage. And that's one big step that we're always encouraging our lines. Engage. Don't just kind of sit back in, the, in kind of the, the gray. Engage. Tell the story with your life. I don't, <clears throat> I don't consider myself half as tough or a tenth as tough as Benaya, but I have a little personal story about being in over your head. Um, and so we got back to the States a few months ago, and my sister said, Chris, it was your birthday, and I got you a birthday present. For, now that you're here, I can buy you a birthday present. And I was like, oh, awesome. She knows I like to read. I wonder, wonder what book I'm going to get. She said, I signed you up for a triathlon. I was like, that's not very nice. I've never run a triathlon. Like I said, I run, and I thought, well, that's one-third of the, the game. I can do that. But the other stuff, I, like I know how to swim, but swimming long and fast and breathing while you're doing it is not easy. And then the bicycle part is really long, and I, I don't know. So I just decided I'll try it. I'm going to start training. So way unprepared, way undertrained. I show up at this triathlon, and it turns out there's a lot of people who have done triathlons, and they kind of do all the triathlons, and I was with them. And so first I realized one of these kids is doing his own thing, and that was me. They all had the spandex, like, triathlon suit from the knees to up here, and, and it has a padded butt for the bike portion. And it's aerodynamically slick for the pool portion. And they had shoes that clip into their bikes. And these super fancy, like, thousands of dollar bikes. And I show, I show up in, like, basketball shorts <laughs> and a T-shirt and with a mountain bike. So, <clears throat> so we start in the pool. And I decided... This is, this is my maybe second weakest of the three, but I'm not going to let anyone pass me. There's someone getting in the water every 10 seconds in a 14-foot pool, and you go 800 meters down and back, and like a total 800 meters, but it's 100 meters down, 100, just snaking. And there's people that are fast, and I just decided I'm not letting anyone pass me. So I get in the water, and I'm just like chugging away, and I realize I just spent all my gas, and I've only done 200 meters, but I don't want anyone to pass me. So I ended up having to, like, combat side stroke for 600 meters, but no one passed me. So then we get out to the, the cycle portion, and that's 12 miles, and we, uh, we start, and I realize quickly all the people that I didn't let pass me in the pool are now passing me on the road, just like old women, Whew all kinds of people just and their bikes they sounded like this <sighs> and I'm surprised I could hear their bikes because I was on my bike and my bike sounded like this yeah, 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 yeah. like every gear just you could hear every gear so they all passed me by 
and then it's time to park the bike. Oh, before the bike, before the whole thing started, funny one little side story. So I'm standing next to these guys in their suits and their shoes, and, like, they just had the, like, wraparound shades. I didn't have any of that. They were, like, applying sunscreen, and I thought that would have been a good idea. <laughs> so we're standing there, and I hear them with their special bikes start talking about these these gummies and jellies that they have on their bike. Like at, at mile such and such, I'm going to take one of these because electrolytes. And, and then at this mile, I'm going to need one of this because my body is going to need that. And they're just talking about it. And, and they look over. We had met each other just earlier that morning. They look over at me and look me up and down. And then they look at my weird bike. <laughs> and while they're looking at the bike, I walked over and like pinched the tire to make sure it's full of air because I'm totally prepared for this. And then they said, so Chris, what's your fueling plan? And I honestly hadn't thought about it. So I thought, well, I had some Chinese food last night. <laughs> that was what I had for dinner. That's my fueling plan. And one of them, it was so sweet. One of them was like, oh man, uh, do you want some of these gummies? <laughs> Never had another grown man offer me gummies. But... <laughs> He just, it was out of pity, he was offering the gummies. And I said, no, I got this, I got this. So we get out there, and, and I, on the run, I made up for some of the people that passed me on the bike. I wasn't first place by a long shot. I didn't expect to. But guess what? I was in way over my head. I loved doing that triathlon. Since I did it, every, every week since then, I'm adding biking and swimming to my training. I think that I'm going to do triathlons for the rest of my life. If I would have waited for being completely ready to do a triathlon, I wouldn't have done it. What do we miss? Because we're afraid. What do we miss? Because we think we're in over our head and we just don't try. There's stuff we're missing. And, and in our walk with God, in our exciting life that we've been given, I think we miss some stuff because we feel unprepared and not ready, and we think, well, when I'm ready. And you just, you just should jump in sometimes. And sometimes you'll fail miserably and realize, I'm never doing that again, but that's good learning too. And I jumped in and realized quick I was, I was outmatched and over my head, but it was such a fun challenge that I loved it. So I just feel like when, when we think about running with our lives, a big part of it is just one step, just one try, and you're going to be able to build the momentum that you're going to require to go further and faster for God. Amen? All right. <clears throat> last one here. The last one is Roar. I realize I haven't even looked at you once, bro. Have you had to wave at me to slow me down? We're okay? I'm so sorry. I'm not used to it. I should be. I'm not. Last, a couple weeks ago, I was preaching at our home church in Crucis, and I said a word in Spanish that I thought just wasn't a naughty word, but it turns out it was. But most of the people in the room kind of understood it the way I understood it, except there was a Spanish translation thing happening in ear, and the guy who translated it translated the literal, and so I had someone like but they waited till the third service. I did it in three <laughs> services. I should be far more sensitive to the translation part of this. Third, third one is roar. 
and we'll read this one together. This is 2 Samuel 23, uh, 9 and 10, if we have that. These are the names of the mighty men whom David had. <clears throat> and it lists a handful, and then it goes here. And after him was Eliezer, the son of Dodo. I'm going to pause right there. Maybe you felt disqualified. If a guy whose dad was named Dodo can be a mighty man, your family situation does not disqualify you. Hunter said his translation said doo-doo. It doesn't matter. Dodo, doo-doo, you're not disqualified. Eliezer, son of Dodo, the Yahoite, one of the three mightiest men with David, when they defied the Philistines, who were gathered there for battle, and the men of Israel had retreated. Eliezer arose and attacked the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand stuck to the sword. My translation said his hand froze to the sword. Then the Lord brought about a great victory that day and the people returned after him only to plunder. So there's a battle happening. The Philistine army, who's just a thorn in David's side for ages, they're, they're at battle and the men of Israel retreat to the hills. All the men. My translation says all the men retreated to the hills. They hid behind rocks and found shelter. And Eliezer decides to step out on his own and fight the Philistine army. And it, it says his hand froze to the sword. And it's a cramping issue, I'm pretty sure. Probably not an ice issue. But same, same idea. Like you're swinging a sword for so long and so many hours and killing so many people that your hand just locks up. I wonder, and I think it'd be kind of cool, if for the rest of his life, Eliezer walked around with a bald fist. And the story went before him, and then he shows up in town with a bald fist. He'd just be like, oh, <laughs> I heard about you. That's kind of an awesome, like, war wound, right? I recently met a guy who had a really bad limp, and we were talking about it, and he told me that it came from fast roping from, um, from Blackhawk helicopters with the DEA, and I just thought, man, what kind of stories does this guy have to tell? That limp tells some stories. And same here with Eliezer. He stood and fought when everyone else retreated. And as I'm, I'm saying this to you, I'm saying it to me, and I've told my young lions, we have one life. And sometimes we don't feel powerful. Sometimes we just say, well, whatever happens, happens. Whatever will be, will be. And we don't roar with our lives. Our lives don't ripple through the ages like they're supposed to. They don't impact others like they're supposed to. But Eliezer shows us we can just take a stand. And it might, again, be a crazy stand. And I don't think Eliezer walked out to that army and thought, I'm going to kill that whole army today. I think he just said, I would rather not be counted with the ones who are hiding in the bushes. I would rather step forward and fight with my last breath. I would rather do that than that. And what would you rather do than the crowd is doing today? What would you rather see for your family than you've seen so far? All it takes is one shift, one choice, one leaning towards unity, one gathering to... to do something different to bless a community. It could be something so small, but it just takes one shift and suddenly you're roaring with your life. And that's what Eliezer reminds us, that we can roar with our life. And, and it's our decision to make to just get in the fight or not get in the fight. And that's what we told the young lions. I'm not going to be here every day 
to tell you, stay in the fight. John, James, Jack, Joseph, they're all J's. John, James, Jack, Joseph, Fred, Francis. There's a bunch of twins in there too. I can't remind you every day, get in the fight. You have to decide every day, am I going to roar today or am I going to get roared, rolled over? <laughs> roared over, rolled over. I, I have to decide every day, and we do too. We have to decide. Are we counted among the ones hiding or are we counted among the ones that are in the fight? Yeah. And I would just say, get in the fight because who knows? I don't think Eliezer knew that God was going to use him to smite an army, but it happened. Crazier things have happened than what you're having faith for. Just, let's just try it. Get in the fight. Another way that I got in the fight was I recently, I'm literally trying to get in the fight. I've always loved boxing. My son is doing jujitsu, and he's, it's a very strategic, tactical kind of wrestling where they try and, like, just short of break your arms and stuff. And he's good at it. I went to one of the classes, and I did not know the point. So I'm just like wrestling a heavy guy, thinking, I don't know how much I like this. And then I don't know where, what I'm trying to do with, the, with it. Owen knows all the strategy. So I thought, I'm going to try boxing because I've always really loved boxing. So I'm going to a boxing gym every week, and I'm learning to throw punches. I'm learning, but I'm starting at the foundation. And here's the problem. Like they're teaching me these steps and drags, and they're teaching me how to move my feet. And they're teaching me how to, where to keep my hands and how to throw the different punches and stuff. My hook just looks like a total joke. It's not, it's not easy. It looks like you could just like throw a hook like anybody could do it. And it takes practice. It's weird. The problem is I'm in a gym and it's all kids. And most of them are girls. And one of them is a 17-year-old. She's the first female gold glove, junior gold gloves winner in New Mexico. This girl... This girl, she's, she's small, but she's powerful. She steps up to, like, the heavy bags. And you know how in tennis sometimes the people who are playing tennis, they go, ha-ee, and there's a move, there's a noise every time they hit it. This girl, every time she throws a punch, is, like, screaming, and you're scared. Like, I'm doing my steps and drags. I'm like, how, how's it looking, coach? And then I hear, ha-ha, 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 ha-ha. Like, she's tough. And I look like a dork. But little by little, I'm learning. And I'm not afraid anymore. I, I wish I felt like this at 45 than when I was 18 or 16. I was afraid of what people thought. I was afraid of how I, I don't care anymore, obviously. I mean, look at me. I just don't care. I've given up. No, I, I really don't care what people think. And I want to grow myself, body, mind, spirit. I want to get sharp. I want to have some fun. I want to experience some things. And I want to do something for God. So it takes getting in the fight. And again, you might feel unprepared. You might look silly as you start. But everyone who's great at the stuff you see, whether it's a worship team member or someone sharing or someone who's just natural at outreach, they probably looked goofy when they first started too. They probably couldn't hit the kick drum on two and four. They probably couldn't, couldn't, couldn't. And, and you just learn. You just grow. You just develop. And so, so as I close, I just want you to hear three things that I think God is trying to say. And it goes back to this 
driver's ed deal. Remember the old Carrie Underwood song, Jesus Take the Wheel? I don't know about that theology anymore. I think that it's more like Jesus saying, no, you take the wheel, but I want to drive with you. I've been teaching my sons and my lions to drive all year. And at a certain point, they're not going to learn anymore unless they take the wheel. But I get to sit in the, in the seat with them and help them. And we're in it together. Where he's going, I'm going. And where I'm going, he's going. And I'm encouraging and I'm guiding and I'm kind of steering and helping. But I'm not taking the wheel. Because if I take the wheel, I'm just going to do it how I've always done it. And they're not going to learn. And so I would say Jesus, I think, would also say, you take the wheel of your life. You have the power. And it's because I gave it to you. It's not because you're some power-hungry, like, psychopath. You're saying, in partnership with you who created me, I will live this life. Why don't I step out? Why don't I do some of this stuff? And, and that's what Jesus wants us to, to hear today. You and God are a majority. And I think, I think the three things that I'll, I'll just close with him saying is, I think he wants you to know first you're loved. As we, as we think about rising, a lot of that just comes with identity and knowing who you are, a son, a daughter, a mighty man, a mighty woman who was chosen by God, who was worth the blood of his only son. You are loved. When we started with these young lions, especially as they, like, when we started with them, many of them were little boys. But as they've got older, and we've kind of been walking close with them, um, in the early days, I'm just one of those dads who's going to be the embarrassing dad for my own sons and for these poor lions, too. But I, we would, like, part ways in the market or something, and I would say, I love you, John. See you, buddy. Love you, John. Love you so much. And John's just like, oh, man, I don't want... He doesn't want anyone. And we would walk in the market together. We're just walking. And then we get to a certain part of the market where the, like, the hard guys are hanging out. And John's walk changes. <laughs> and then I'm saying, I love you. And he doesn't want anything to do with me. But as we've done life together, as we've had to forgive each other, as we've walked through some stuff together, we've seen some stuff. When I say I love you to them now, they say it back. And... And I just think that there's a rising when we know who we are, when we know we're loved. You can rise when, we, when you know someone loves you. So I'm here to tell you today, I love you. I don't even know some of you. I love you. I'm not afraid to say it. <laughs> but more important than that here, that Jesus loves you. You have an identity in him. And then to run, I want you to know you're invited. Beniah wasn't invited into the lion's den. He just decided... I'm invited. I'm going. I'm going for it. So step in. Just You're invited. You're invited to partner with God and do some crazy things with your crazy life in this one life you've got to live. You're invited. So you're loved. Say loved. loved. You're invited. Say invited. invited. And finally, you are powerful. You've got the power. You can roar with your life. And you should roar with your life. And your roar is going to sound and look different than my roar. And that's the way it was meant to be. We have different spheres of influence. We have different makeup and interests and all of that. And if we all roar for Jesus with our lives, what kind of different place could this be? 
I just met some people who are roaring in very unique ways in Cuba. And like I said, I don't think Cuba knows what's about to hit them. They're, these kids that are getting this identity story into them right now are going to live for a different Cuba in their generation. So you can rise and run and roar because you're loved, you're invited, and you're powerful. Worship team, would you guys come on up here? Um, as, they, as they get in their places, we're going to get ready to close. And I just want to pray over us. Um, so why don't we just stand up together? <clears throat> Let's all rise to our feet. If you want to run in place, you're not going to look too weird to me. If you want to roar out loud, we could do that together. But I want to pray for, for everyone in this room and everyone you represent uh, who's not here with you, just that, that your life would be a powerful life for the kingdom of God. And then at the end, we're going to have prayer teams available just to encourage each other and, and pray if you need specific prayer. So just bow your heads with me. Jesus, we thank you so much for your love for us. Jesus, we thank you so much for the power that you designed us with because of connection to you and partnership with you. Thank you, Jesus, that you've given us a life to live that can matter and should matter and does matter. And I just ask right now that whatever was holding anyone back in their thinking about the possibility of a powerful life would just be stripped away. And that today, they would rise in a new way. They would run with what they've been given and that they would roar with their lives for your glory, Jesus. I pray if there is unforgiveness, that, that, would, that today would just be the end of that. That that would just be rooted out. I pray if there's just a, a, a history of brokenness that just feels too terrible to overcome, Jesus, that you would just come in with a shining hope in that spirit right now and say, I can do this. Let's do it together. I pray, God, whatever is holding people back, that they would just be stripped away. And that today, from this moment, we would be building momentum until the day we meet you in heaven, that we would be seeing change through our lives, in our lives, that we would be different people today than we were yesterday, more powerful people than we were yesterday. And God, I pray that you would just put in us a boldness to take risks, even a risk of sharing with a neighbor, sharing with a friend the goodness of God. So I just bless you, Encounter Church, to just rise and run and roar with your lives. You have the power, not because Chris said it, Jesus said it. You were designed with power. You were designed for connection. You were designed in his image. You have an identity. He knows who you are. He sees who you are. You are a mighty man of God. You are a mighty woman of God. And he's calling you up and out today. So in the name of Jesus, just seal your work, God. Bless this community and thank you for your love and your power. In your mighty name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's worship together. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.